Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody. My name is Tom Miller, and this is our monthly Teacher Leader Showcase. And this uh, Teacher Leader Showcase um, is, is one of part of the vision that I had when I created the Teacher Leader Academy and Teacher Leader Consortium. And, and each month, uh, we, we have our graduates from that program come and share uh, best practices, better practices, not just how to be uh, better in the classroom, but also just to be better in life. Um, how they are uh, handling uh, COVID, how they are being leaders in their school, and uh, most importantly, how they how well they are leading themselves. And that's and that's what is the most important question that every leader needs to ask themselves: is Would I follow me? And that's what the teacher leaders learned uh, during their time uh, with us in the consortium. So let me introduce our three teachers here. Uh, that are joining us from from across North Carolina, all uh, charter school teachers at schools that receive uh, that are A schools um, in accordance to the state of North Carolina with the report card. And our first teacher leader is uh, Tosh Copening. And Tosh is a teacher at the Expedition School, which is in Hillsboro. And this is an experiential uh, learning K-8 school. And uh, Tosh, uh, I think you were in our Teacher Leader Academy, maybe one of the first cohorts uh, we did. So I'm really excited to be learning about what you all are doing as an experiential learning model school um, in a hybrid and uh, remote environment. And then we have uh, Sabrina Smith from Triangle Math and Science High School. And the Triangle Math and Science is in Cary, North Carolina. It's a K-12 charter school. It's one of the most highest, highest performing STEM uh, public school that we have in North Carolina and, and she teaches many class there English teacher and creative writing um, and amongst other uh, courses and then we have Isabella Gayton who is a upper Spanish teacher and a a uh, marketing uh, recruitment specialist at Bradford Prep School in uh, Charlotte North Carolina so I'm going to give each of these amazing teacher leaders some time to introduce themselves and talk a little bit about their school um, and and uh, and how they're thriving in our in our new evolved world of education. So, Isabel, do you mind? Do you mind going first? No, not at all. Um, thank you, Tom. So, like Tom said, I'm here located at Bradford in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, just a little bit about myself here. Like you mentioned, I'm a Spanish teacher. I teach levels three, four, and then the advanced Spanish language and culture course, as well as the, um, I feel like it's a more special title than it actually is, marketing recruitment specialist. But that's essentially working with the Spanish speaking populations and providing access to that community so that they can feel comfortable 
and feel included here at the Bradford um, community. And Bradford in and of itself is a K through 12 charter. We focus on social emotional development as well as physical development for all students. So all grade levels have PE classes as well as some type of social emotional development class through a seminar course or in the lower levels, they actually have social and emotional classes. Um, so I am happy to be here. I really believe in my charter, our charter and what we're doing. And I'm happy to learn and share with all of you today. And when you say they have uh, PE classes and wellness classes, you left off a couple of words. I think you were going to say every day they have yes. PE classes. Yes, every day. <laughs> and if they're not the most physically athletic like myself, you can sign up for yoga, which is I another. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think there's like 15 to 20 uh, PE teachers in, in the school. And, and, yeah. they, and how many students are in the K-12 school, Isabel? Um, so we have a little over 1200 students so that's a lot of PE classes daily and uh, pretty much since the start of the year you've had students on campus every day grades k5 right can you talk a little bit about that correct so grades k through five and most recently we had um, middle school and freshmen also come back monday through thursday so k through five is every day sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade is Monday through Thursday, and then 10th, 11th, and 12th are hybrid um, A-day, B-day schedule. No high school student has class on Fridays. Awesome. Um, so yeah, we've been lucky in that sense to really be playing it safe and still be able to see our students daily. Yeah, that's great. And we'll talk about the social and emotional health in a little bit. So thank you for being a part of this. How about uh, Sabrina Smith? Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself in Triangle Math and Science? Um, Triangle Math and Science Academy is, as you said before, a K-12 charter, public charter school located in Cary. And we serve um, students from, I will even say 30 minutes to 45 minutes outside of Cary. So we have lots of um, commuters coming into the school. Um, this is my fifth year at the school and it is our second graduating class. So each year, of course, you know, we add a class. And so we have seen two graduating classes and my own daughter graduated from Triangle Math and Science Academy last year. And um, I'm just so excited for all the great things that we are continuously doing at our school. Um, it is growing exponentially, even though it is a small, intimate building, a small, close-knit family school, the things that we are doing are just extraordinary. So we, but we, just a little bit of technical background, we are a STEM school, um, so that is our focus. Um, and of course, PLTW, so we have a heavy focus on math and science, I'm in engineering, but of course I am a um, English teacher, so <laughs> I like to insert myself um, in any way I can with helping with, um, you know, foundational reading and writing skills as well. Yeah, you know, and I think, I mean, there's so many amazing things about all of your schools and, and uh, you know, We've had a teacher leader consortium at your school and we had the principals consortium at your school. And there's one piece that always blows my mind is how much time you all spend remediating students. Mm -hmm. Now, you've never 
been less than an A on the report card, but remediation is your, I mean, honestly, that's your, I won't call it a secret, but to many people, it seems like a secret, but this is what you all do every single day. Can you talk a little bit about that? Exactly. Um, we have our MTSS committee. We meet weekly. Um, we have not broken stride with that. Um, we always say among ourselves in our team meetings, grade level meetings, whatever meetings that we have about students, our students are high flyers, but that does not mean we have to let them go and just be great. We always make sure that we are meeting them where they are so that they continue to go where we need them to be. Um, that can be social emotional, that can be academic, um, just everything that we can do to, to keep them moving forward. Um, so we do meet weekly and we keep track of these students. We have our spreadsheets that go out and any and everything that we notice, we put it on the spreadsheet, someone meets with us, we chat about it. So I, I think that's the kind of, that's the way we've adapted virtually so that um, we're not letting some of these kids, I hate to use the expression, fall through the cracks, but we're not missing something that we would see if we were physically there. Um, that we're able to pick up on it in a virtual learning environment. Yeah, excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I want to talk a little bit more about your culture because you are probably the most diverse charter school I've ever walked a halls with. So we're going to have that conversation. Yeah. Hey, Tosh, how are you doing? All right, let's bring Tosh in here. So she's a K-8 teacher. She, she's an elementary teacher, but it's a K-8 school. So tell us about your school and this experiential learning thing. I don't know what that means. I'm a behaviorist, so I'm the total opposite. So tell me what happens there at the expedition school. Well, hello. Yes, I work at the expedition school, um, and I teach a multi-grade classroom. I teach third and fourth grade, um, and we are a project-based learning school. So, and I'll and a lot of our subjects and a lot of the things we teach, we have kids kind of explore the concept that they're learning um, as we delve deeper into the content um, and build on some of the discoveries that they make initially during their exploration stage. Um, and we are trying to continue our project-based learning through virtual learning although it tends to come with a lot of challenges learning in a different way um, virtually and our group work. Um, but I think the teachers and administration have been really resourceful and creative in coming up ways to kind of continue um, our themes and our goals throughout this, this learning experience. Um, we're also working to continue like social emotional learning with students um, and yeah, it's been quite um, a learning experience, but the community has been really great. Awesome. Let's, let's, you know, start there everywhere or, you know, like everybody, like, let's, let's talk about like, how, how were you able to flip your school, right, with your, you know, curriculum and all the, you know, challenges? I mean, how are your leaders and your, and your teachers working collaboratively to make this work with so many unanswered questions. Good, Tosh, you wanna uh, start us off and we'll, we'll go back down the road. Yeah, sure. I think, well, if we back up kind of to when 
we were kind of sent into this new world unexpectedly in March, I think everyone was kind of in survival mode and just putting together anything that they could, that could work like right away to sustain. But I think in starting this new school year, um, our administration really worked hard for us and we spent a lot of prep time preparing for this quarter. So we spent like two weeks, I think, really thinking about what the education was going to look like for our kids virtually and thinking about the things that we needed and what we needed to prepare to get that started. And I think that has been one of the most useful things that has helped us in being prepared and feeling somewhat successful this quarter. Uh, through quarter one and as we're moving into quarter two of our school year. Yeah, excellent. How about you, Sabrina? Yeah, so I'm just really curious about how these uh, schools, uh, how were you able to, you know, flip your schools to a remote or hybrid environment, right, and, and really continue to engage as students at a high level as, as you've been doing, you know, for years. Like, what was your leader's process in making that happen? Okay, um, well, I guess I can do this in two parts. So focusing on the staff, the admin focused on the staff, and then we focused on the students. So I think that I can credit our administration for taking our feelings and our needs and our personal situations into account whenever they made decisions. So I know a lot of school systems do not do that. Of course, you need to focus on the kids. We are teachers. We are there to support the kids. But our admin always took into account our, our personal needs. Um, they provided um, digital platforms for us, um, anything that we needed. I even have a second monitor. You know, anything you need, they will provide it for you. You don't have to scramble for that. So I really do give our um, leaders um, all the credit for that. Because what that does is that lets us know that they are supporting us so that we can support the kids. Um, and also from our standpoint, what we did to, to further support our kids, we all had to come to realize that we're not just doing what we would do in the classroom virtually. It's impossible. And a lot of us went into it thinking that, okay, here's my curriculum. I'm just going to go home and teach it from my computer. And it took some of us a lot of our heads against the walls just to realize that you can't do that. It's not possible. Sounds good, but realistically, it's not going to work. And so um, we would just have weekly check-ins with each other. Some of us were bold enough to speak up at staff meetings and say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. And then others, we would text each other, me too, I don't know either. And so just opening up that communication and letting everyone around you know, I'm lost. What are you doing? And then, I mean, just that collaborative effort, just to know that you're not alone, that this is new for everybody, and just adjusting your entire way of teaching, not just your physical location, but every single thing you do. That was a big adjustment, but 
like I said, I feel like we were so supportive in making that transition. And that just made all the difference for us. I love that vulnerability and that sense of the community yes. because you all have been, you know, working from home, right? I mean, you're not in the buildings, are you? Not at all. Not at all. We made the decision to stay um, virtual throughout this um, first quarter and throughout second quarter, mm -hmm. and then we'll reevaluate later. Yeah, but what a, but what a great importance. You can just hear it to everybody about how even though they weren't in the same room, that didn't stop what had made the school already very successful. So let's come back to that. I want Isabel to get a chance to talk about Bradford Prep and, and how they've been able to, to uh, keep this going. Yeah, so like I said before, our stu or the students I interact with are on a hybrid system. So they have an A day, B day, Monday through Thursday. And Friday is a day for teachers to catch up on planning and curriculum planning and things of that sort and grading, of course. Um, and I think at the beginning of this year, the administration, much like the other schools, was really um, amazing because they did give us Fridays for teachers to really focus on what we needed to do, whether it changed things, again, grade. So that having that Friday has just been amazing because even though we are hybrid, we are completely paperless. So, you know, similar to what other teachers are mentioning, you have something that you can project in class or pass out, but then making that, you know, friendly online has been I'm not even going to lie to you. It's a simple worksheet that you can make copies of and do together. It's taken me like hours <laughs> to put on, um, you know, a user-friendly electronic form. So having administrative support and having that Friday has been very, very helpful. Um, another thing that has been very helpful in having us being successful this year is having the administration as well as the teachers remain consistent, which I know is a big component of your course, especially with leadership. And so all of the teachers have the same expectations as far as what they expect from students when they are on at home on their work from home days, um, what deadlines are to look like, as well as what work should look like. Um, because even though you're not in the classroom that day, you are still expected to work to your fullest potential. Um, so that's been really great as far as having consistency there. Of course, it's not perfect. We always get late work and, you know, not the best quality work like any other teacher. But um, having that consistency has made this process a lot easier. Yeah, consistency really compounds over time. And I, you know, and, and knowing all three of the heads of of your schools, like you're just making me think about their personality style and how it's kind of coming out of what you shared. So, so I've always been told this, so tell me if I'm crazy, but a clear and coherent curriculum is the key to being able to be consistent. So can you talk about, you know, all three, we'll start, start with you Isabel, like how have you been able to maintain that clear and coherent curriculum uh, even throughout, you know, these times? Well, I think that's just like as simple as going back to your daily objectives and your ch chapter standards and objectives and presenting that to the students and going over, you know, what are your goals for you as a student or what are our goals as students and your teacher of this class for this particular chapter and for this year and kind of breaking it down that way so that each day when a student has an assignment or they have um, a presentation to go through, they know exactly what the purpose is because the objective is laid out for them and they know that that objective is necessary to meet our end of the year goals so they can move on to the next level. 
And, and so as you're talking about this, you know, leaders, because I'm going to come back to you too, Sabrina and uh, Tosh, talk about like, like the planning around us, because uh, Cindy put a great question in the chat about how, you know, you know, others are handling the workload. It seems to be unstable at times. It's unbalanced at times. So how are you handling it, uh, all that planning and grading and finding that missing work? So there, there you know, it might be something you want to add there, Isabel, and then we'll go to Tosh and, and uh, Sabrina. Yeah. So. Um... I am lucky in the sense that Spanish isn't a tested subject, so I, I don't have necessarily the pressures of state testing and things of that sort. So if I'm feeling really overwhelmed or the students feel really overwhelmed because we're just doing curriculum, curriculum back to back, um, what I like to do on days where we're feeling this type of overwhelm feeling is give a, like a choice board assignment that might take them one or two classes to really dive into and engage and it seems to be a really good fit for them because as a choice board they really have the autonomy and the choice to choose what they want to pursue so it's usually something that interests them and I usually make them culture related so maybe they're not using all of the vocabulary from this particular week and context but maybe they're using review vocabulary from different levels to explore culture in a meaningful way so i would suggest giving them maybe a choice board that they can work on during class hours and you be online to assist them should questions arise and also keeping them accountable so they actually work on it during that allotted time but while they're working um, you can be multitasking and working on something else, which again, is this the most ideal situation? No, but it does give you a lot of time to still be present and answer their questions should they arise, but also have a time for you to get things done. So you're not just instructing the whole time. I hope yeah. that doesn't make me seem like a bad teacher. I'm not just giving them work to. No, but I mean, but, it goes back to what uh, Sabrina said was that, you know, you can't, you can't flip your classroom and think that you're going to lecture. Nobody wants to listen to anybody for 30 to 45 minutes. It just, it just can't be the same. So I love that. Good. Uh, Hatash, you want to go next? You want to talk a little bit about the, the uh, coherent, you know, curriculum and then how's all the planning, like how are you all managing all the planning and the grading and the making up of work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this might be a complicated answer as this varies very much throughout the school. Um, so we are fully remote when we have, we're K through eight. So I just like to mention that in our um, lower school, one, two is multi-grade and then grades three and four are multi-grade. However, in our upper school, the grades are, um, they aren't multi-grade, but our students loop with their teachers. And so in our lower school, the planning I think has been split out amongst teachers on teams. So I work um, on a four teacher team and we have split the workload. So I'm responsible for like planning science and then I split planning reading with another teacher, we alternate weeks. And then we have another teacher that would be responsible for social studies um, and one plans like the math. So we kind of have split up our subjects. 
Um, in upper school where they're looping and there's only two teachers on a team usually, it's a little bit harder for them to kind of split their work. So they have come up with other unique situations um, or sorry, not situations, ways to be able to manage some of that planning. And one of those I think is that time we really spent thinking about what our year and schedule was going to look like. So initially, our admin rolled a schedule out to us of what they thought would be helpful. And in our schedule, most every grade had like two hours of planning each day in the schedule. And then we also had our Fridays. Teams were then able to kind of look on those schedules and reflect on it and think what would work best for their team. And then also we reflected on them again after our first quarter of school to see what was working and what was not working. So I guess the quick answer to this is that I think a lot of insight was given into time being planned to allow teachers to have time and also just creative ways of managing that from grade to grade. And I'll also mention that in our lower school, we do have teachers assistants to also help with like grading, which allows us to use more of our plan time for planning instead of grading. Um, and I think that kind of answered the question. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, for me, I don't know if you all heard that, but um, there's a massive theme here amongst all three teachers so far. Teamwork and collaboration seems to be a really strong strategy to combat stress and the overwork, right? And I also heard, you know, Tosh say a lot that there's been a lot of pre-planning, a lot of pre-thinking. And John Maxwell always says, you know, if you don't prepare on the front end, you'll be repairing on the back end. And I think that's with a lot of our education plans across the country and world, probably. We're doing a lot of repairing because we just didn't have these systems and processes in place to be able to catch up um, in terms of the pandemic and the crisis. So thanks for sharing that, Tosh. How about you, Sabrina? What would you like to add to this uh, conversation, uh, to this question? Yeah, well, um, I think planning is so far is going pretty well for us um there's not a lot of teachers that teach the same subject so as far as planning together that really doesn't happen like i am the only pre-ap english one teacher i'm it for ninth grade so the way we get together and plan is we will have our english department get together and so we sit and we look at the standards and we realistically say we're not, even if we were in school, we would not be able to address every single standard. So now that we are virtual, it's gonna, our focus is gonna have to be a little bit more targeted. So we will get together and we will say, what three to four standards are we gonna focus on for this quarter or for this um, few weeks? And so we kind of plan like that and what that does is it keeps us on track and it also lets us realize that we're not superheroes we're not realistically going to be able to do every single thing so that kind of like lightens our load um, literally and figuratively um, as far as just personally the way that i cope with the day-to-day -day, um, workload because it is pre-AP English, there's a ton of reading. And um, 
I'm, we're fortunate enough to have the College Board Springboard, so it's all digital. They don't have to go anywhere except for that platform. Everything is there for them, from their books, our audio text, everything they need is there. But you have to train them on how to use it. So this is the issue that we have for the first three weeks of school. I was tech support. I was um, re re resetting passwords. I was telling them how to navigate the book. And a week later, what's my password? Okay, let's re-reset your password. So there, was a, there were a lot of issues, like technical issues that we had to overcome that would not have happened if we were in the classroom. Um, but that is just probably 50% of my day is going online and checking eBooks. And it is very, very time consuming. I do have to give them feedback in a timely manner, which is, I would hope to be less than 24 hours, less than the next day. So that is tedious, typing into an electronic document, giving them feedback and praying that they actually go in and read the feedback and you know can contribute to class the next day. So, but all of these are just adjustments that we're all going through. It's not just me and I just have to constantly remind myself that this is where we are. Yeah. And you all shared a little bit about that, you know, expectation. So is that, is that an expectation that your administrative set or your team set, uh, Sabrina, about, you know, feedback in 24 hours? Yeah, it's just a general rule of thumb that we set for ourselves just in the English department because we are reading and writing so much, especially with writ written submissions. You definitely want to go through and give feedback as soon as possible. You can't wait until, we do also have AB days. So if I see a class on Monday, I don't see them again until Wednesday. So you kind of want to make sure you're giving them feedback to keep them going on that day that we're off. Um, but I think as far as the planning and the group planning, we've kind of just altered it so that we are not planning specifically grade level materials, but just like um, maybe a spiral type planning so that we're still working together, but still doing our individual things for our classroom. Yeah. Hey, Tasha, Isabel, you wanna add anything you know, to that? About expectations or giving feedback or how you're keeping students on track? Because student engagement seems to be one of the biggest uh, challenges, but you know, I think adult engagement is a really hard you know, challenge right now too, because many of you are, you know, you, you know, you may have your son or your daughter kind of right here, you know, then like, you know, doing their own work and you're trying to lead a, you know, a high level AP course at the same time, right? So, 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 so how are you all, you know, working through that, making sure that you're giving the feedback to the students that they need to be able to learn and move forward? And is that your own personal expectation or did your leaders put something in place? Whoever so wants for, to go. Yep. Go ahead, Isabel. Sorry. I can go. Um, for feedback, yes, I would agree. That is very much a struggle. Similar to English and Spanish, you know, their written language is so important, and writing, unfortunately, does take a lot longer than normal um, rather than multiple choice, et cetera, to grade. So, instant feedback has been a challenge. Um, when it comes to speaking and writing, which take me a little bit longer to grade, Sometimes what I'll do is I'll give students the rubric and I'll have them do peer edits or peer reviews as well to kind of help facilitate that thought. 
that way it still gives me time to actually give them their finalized feedback. Because sometimes, you know, students will surprise you and really catch on things that you also would have caught on as you were grading. So again, if you're trying to buy for some time before you can get that sent out, maybe do a, a day where they're peer reviewing, going through and help them set them up for success by giving them the expectations of how to grade it and things of that sort. So that way they can really do um, make some quality edits there and give quality feedback as well. Excellent. Good ideas there. Tash, how about you? Yeah, I would say um, wanting to give timely feedback, I think, is um, definitely a goal of our school and a goal of teachers in general. Um, and so some of the ways that I've been working and my team have worked to balance that is there are some things we assign that gives automatic feedback so that students can get feedback right away and it's automatically graded. Um, one thing that has been great for that is Edpuzzle that we've used um, where students can kind of put in responses and then the video will continue and like a lot of times if I make videos I'll give feedback right away in the video but you can also program it so that if they respond to certain however they respond to the question, you can put it in to give a certain response based on the answer that they put in. Um, so I give myself some leeway to be like, it's okay sometimes to let students have some automatically graded things and get feedback that way. And then of course, you know, there are also assign assignments to take the time to give um, thorough feedback, like especially for writing, um, and a lot of times on their math assignment as well so that they can self-correct and know how to move forward in the future. So I try to like balance it so that I don't have too much of a workload that's not hand that I can't handle by using a mixture of automatic feedback and given direct feedback. And again, I'm just fortunate to also have a TA that works with me in helping to grade uh, student work. Awesome. You mentioned um, Ed Puzzles. What's what's maybe one more you know technology tool or resource that you have used uh, to make a difference? And I'll ask the same question that Sabrina and Isabel. Um, I think Ed Puzzle has been like my big go-to that I've learned, and I'm like, this is so helpful. Um, but I think some other things that. Um, we are using a lot more of is Seesaw, our students are using to post their work. And it's really great for our younger students, like in third and fourth grade, because they can record answers and they can like mark and do some drawing and stuff because typing tends to be more of a challenge for them. And um, I know in our upper schools, um, things like Pear Deck, and Nearpod have proven to be really successful um, for students as they do their asynchronous work and also I think through some of their synchronous lessons as well. Excellent. How about you, Isabel? Um, so we used Canvas at, as a whole school, but really strongly through the middle school and the upper school. So Canvas does a lot of instant feedback. It gives us time to give feedback as well on longer essays and prompts and things of that sort. But one thing I've been using weekly, especially because we are in the world language class and it's really important to hear how they say, pronounce, and really communicate verbally is Flipgrid because it gives them the option to record short videos 
to, you know, you can set the limit to 30 seconds to even a few minutes where they need to respond to a prompt or a question, which again makes grading a little bit easier because you can embed your own rubric in there and score them accordingly. And then that feedback will be sent directly to their Flipgrid profile as well as their Flipgrid email associated with their Flipgrid account. Excellent. Sabrina? Interesting. I was hearing about Pear Deck and Flipgrid, and at our last staff meeting, um, those two were brought up from fellow coworkers that they have um, shared some great um, happenings about. I have not used either of those in the past. I have used Padlet. Um, I think that's kind of sort of like Flipgrid, where um, they can write directly on the screen. I usually use them for breakout rooms. I'll put my question up there and they'll collaborate and just show me their answers really quickly. But I am interested in something that can um, embed a video. So I'm thinking about Edpuzzle and Pear Deck for those two. But there's a lot of um, uh, platforms out there that you just kind of have to take a look at and see what it is you're teaching, if it is compatible with what you're teaching and what you want to do for your lesson. But definitely Padlet is one. It's just so simple and so easy and so quick. And I usually fall back on that one as my go-to. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I mean, there's so much you can get in a rabbit hole with. There's just so many, you know, technology. And that's what I saw a lot of teachers struggle on. There's a great question in the chat and we'll stick with you, Sabrina, if you don't mind. How do you involve uh, parents? And speaking of parents, do you see that your remote students are doing uh, uh, better than when they were face to face? So do you see any, so how are you involving your parents? And then how are your students doing in terms of you know, remote versus face to face? So go ahead, we'll start with you, Sabrina. Okay, well, um, as a school, we do our, of course, our weekly emails and updates. Um, all of the parents, we use Schoology um, for our platform, for all of our student uh, materials, and parents are also welcome to join Schoology. So they have a parent account, so they can go in and um, see their children's assignments um, and also see their grades, and they can email the teachers through that. Um, there's also a group section where we have a parent group, and they can post, um, Dates or uh, read updates that we've posted. So the communication is really um, solid from that aspect. But from as far as teachers, like I said, when a parent emails us, we have 48 hours. I usually do an email response right then if I'm able to, but definitely within 12 to 24 hours so that they know that we're tuned in um, and that we're responsive. Um, uh, as far as involving parents, like a little more closely into the day-to-day -day of what their students are doing, since I have high school, ninth grade reading, it's not too much of an issue. Um, parents will reach out if um, they see their, their student is uh, missing assignments and those type questions. But other than like wanting to hands-on and participate, I don't really get any of that from yeah. my parents. So do you uh, keep everything in PowerSchool or do you all use another tool that the parents uh, look into to see that their child might be missing a grade? 
Yes, and what Schoology is, is Schoology. a, yes, it, it syncs with PowerSchool. So we only touch PowerSchool for attendance. Everything goes in Schoology and everything is connected. And parents, like I said, they can get updates on their phone um, when assignments are posted, when assignments are due, when they're overdue, um, any group um, alerts, they are plugged in. They don't have to ask their student, they are plugged in, so first in line. And also we do, um, ever since uh, we have been out for COVID and have been virtual all the way since March, we do town halls with our parents, virtual town halls. And we also do them with the staff as well. Um, the superintendents will have a, a town hall with just staff and we'll get all of our questions out and then we'll open it up to parents as well um, in all three of our sister schools. And so I think that keeps the parents in the loop. They know what's going on um, week to week, day by day, um, month by month, quarter by quarter. So they don't feel like they're being left out. So I think that has really helped us. And so when it comes to asking us these burning questions, usually they've been answered or they know where to go to find the answer. Excellent. Isabel, on the parents or the, um, how the students are doing? Yeah, so our school, usually we do not like having the parents on the high school students canvas page, which is very similar to Schoology where they submit their assignments because we're trying as a prep school trying to teach them accountability. But because this year is just a day B day um, and there's been a few days off here and there. Parents have been highly encouraged to join their students' Canvas pages so that they can see, you know, if a student is missing work and things of that sort. So that's been really helpful to have them on those pages. But we've also been encouraged by admin to send, if not weekly, bi-weekly emails to students of families who have grades uh, of 70% or below just to kind of keep them accountable and offer weekly tutoring on Fridays. So on our planning days and grading days, we do have sessions where students who have a 70% or lower, as well as all students, um, can sign up and participate in about 15 to 20 minute sessions to review concepts and help them move further along with the material. Love that, excellent. How about you Sabrina, anything, or, or I'm sorry, Tasha, anything you wanna to add to this? Um, I'll just say we are in constant communication with parents. Uh, we use two main platforms across our school, Seesaw and Google Classroom. Um, I know student, I mean, I know parents are tied into their um, student Seesaw accounts. Um, and I think parents either opt in or out to be attached to Google Classroom. Um, last quarter, we were calling parents every two weeks to do a check-in and to see how things were going and how the families have been adjusting. And honestly, it was a lot on us teachers <laughs> and we, you know, communicated that. And so now we're doing this quarter, I think our expectation has been uh, shortened or lessened, I should say, to doing a phone call and an email for every student in the quarter. Um, just to really like touch in with the families and see how they're doing and how they're adjusting and if they need more support and also just to let them know how their students are doing. Excellent. And we also manage to still have our student-led conferences as well. Oh, that's great. 
That's a good question. I think, Isabel, you're probably the best person to answer this. And, you know, Tasha, I think you have some students on campus, but there's a question about if you're teaching students in person and virtually, how do you build community between the two groups? So, Isabel, can you talk a little bit about how Bradford Prep is continuing to do that in their model? Yeah, so actually, um, this is a great question because even though we do have students on campus, families still have the option to opt out of coming on campus and learning remotely. And because for, specifically for levels three and four and the AP level of Spanish, there is no online option that we as a school could offer. Um, they actually join on Zoom our live sessions and I, to keep them accountable, I'm essentially cold calling on them during the Zoom so that they are an active participant in the course. And if we have a reading circle one day in class, I set up the tripod in the reading circle and the students who are in my physical class know who's on Zoom each day. So they kind of can work together on those concepts. Um, as far as group work, like I said, our Canvas page can assign students different works and different assignments so I can group them up accordingly. So there might be a student who's in the course, but remote, who's paired up with a student who's in the course, but here physically. And so they would then get on their own separate Zoom call and work together to you know, complete an assignment. So they have done things like that, which has been helpful um, but because we are such a small school and the students tend to already know their peers pretty well, we're lucky in that sense that they might already know each other. But for those that are new, definitely want to do some icebreakers before you assign them to a group with students they're unfamiliar with. Yeah, I think one of the great things I heard uh, Kelly uh, Painter share, who's the um, for all who, who don't know, she's the executive director of the Bradford Prep, but she was talking about, you know, running open houses and we, you know, kind of question. said, well, we have lots of kids who have never still been on campus because they're new to our school. So they get an option before they decide whether they're going to come into the on, on campus model, come and tour the school and tour the safety procedures that we have in place before you make that decision, which I thought was was you know really great so um what a great opportunity tosh or uh, sabrina do you want to add anything to the community because i'm really curious about how you all are handling it let's let's move away from the professional let's turn to the personal piece like how are you how are you able to um thrive in this environment and i quickly looked up everybody's disc uh, personality style so i'm super curious because if you've ever taken our disc uh, profile everybody it's got three charts and one of the charts says you're how you handle stress. So I'm really curious, you know, have any of you, like what have you been doing personally and to make sure that you create a balance and harmony in your life? And you may all have, you know, children. I know we, uh, uh, Sabrina says, you know, she has a child. You know, how are you doing it all? So let's spend our last you know, 10 minutes just really talking about how you're taking care of yourself, how you're maybe helping your uh, colleagues take, uh, take care of themselves. And um, who would who would like to start with that one? Okay. Um, for me, it was really a challenge. Um, my husband and I are co-workers um, for the last five years at TMSA. So that is a challenge in itself because some days 
he, I could hear him and he's so lively. He's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. He is like just so excited. And then he'll come out and he'll say, how was your day? How'd it go today? And I'm just like about to fall in the floor. I'm overwhelmed. My brain is on fire. I can't do this, but I don't want to tell him, you know, why are you so happy? So it had, we had to agree to when we clock out of work, that's it. We get five minutes maybe to talk about work things, but we had to separate it because it's in our home and we can't escape it. Um, that was just one thing personally, because that was just very stressful. And like I mentioned before, not being afraid to email or text a coworker and say, what are you doing with this grade book thing? You know, just try not to keep everything inside because chances are 10 other people have that same question swirling around in your head. And so that brought me some relief when I finally just opened up my email and said, hey, are you grading these assignments or are you just doing for a completion? And my coworker said, oh yeah, it's a completion grade. Don't worry about it. But just little things like that can just kind of like set your mind at ease and just allow you to take a breath. You know, you know I, I love that you said that out loud. I mean, one of the reasons why we created the uh, Teacher Leader you know, Academy Consortium was so you guys would expand your horizons, right? So we've got 100 you know, teachers from across the state and all these schools. So you're expanding your uh, community because one of the things that I got really concerned when all this hit in March and April and May, I started to see teachers get into these, uh, like these uh, Facebook groups and they would be in these private Facebook groups and they would be just asking these questions. And I'm thinking, well, where's their grade level you know, person? Like, where's their content person? Like, why are they asking all these people that they don't know whether they're successful or not? Like, be really careful of who you ask for help, everybody, because the person you may ask for help might not be very good at their job. And so I love that, you know, you all had built this community inside TMSA to just shoot it out there, because sometimes we try to solve our problems and we just get so deep in our head and it just, you just have to ask a question, right? I mean, just ask someone else. There are no bad questions. So I love that. Thanks so much, uh, Sabrina. I think that's a huge, huge uh, teaching point there. How about you, Tosh? Um, I think what I found really stressful was just feeling overwhelmed all the time and like the to-do list just never ended. And it, I was just getting bogged down by that. And so I think like Sabrina, I had to pick like a cutoff time and this is when it's done. And I, like every week too, I just take 24 hours that I don't think about school every, every week that that is for my mind and my sanity. But one thing that I found super helpful is I make a to-do list each day of like, my priorities of need to get done. So I make three things I want to get done professionally that day and three things that I want to get done personally that day. And I think that has really helped because I didn't feel like now I don't feel like like school is taking over my life because now I'm getting some of my personal goals done as well. And, and, you know, on my professional list, there are things that I want to do to like get ahead or to big things I want to get accomplished that of course doesn't include like the day-to-day -day things I have to do every day 
And so I've just found that super helpful for me and to be like, I got those three things done and now I feel successful. <laughs> Where did you learn that strategy? Um, I was reading a book, um, or actually I wasn't, I wasn't reading his book. I was listened to a podcast actually from someone named Jim Quick and it's all about brain training. <laughs> and so that was one of the strategies that was like, this is really neat. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. How about you, Isabel? So um, for me, I think it's just being willing to stay a little bit later on traditional school days just to wrap up whatever needs to be finalized for whether it's the next day or the next week, especially on Fridays when we have that full day to work. But when you have, you know, maybe 10 or 12 students sign up for tutoring on Friday. That is a large chunk of work time that is taken out. So being disciplined enough to stay later, even on a Friday, just for an extra 30 minutes or an hour, even when everyone's leaving so that you can get whatever you need done so that on Saturday and Sunday, you don't really need to think about schoolwork. You can just pick up again on Monday. So staying those, not too long, just about 30 minutes or an hour, um, on schoolwork as well to just get it done so you can enjoy your quality time. So you all participated in our, you know, 90 day teacher leader program. What's, is there one thing that you could remember maybe going back on that, that has really helped you the most uh, over the last uh, three to six months, Isabel? So with me, I know I had an issue with confrontation. I do not like confrontation. And this year, having more of a little bit of a leadership role, especially being the department chair, we have very different personalities. We all get along, but being able to be confident in your decision and making the decision that's best for all students and not just for maybe one person um, has really been helpful in kind of guiding the teachers this year on our team. Excellent. So you learned some uh, strategies about how to how to guide them. Yes. Approach confrontation yes. in, I guess, a non-confrontational way. Because <laughs> you're a, a people-oriented person, as we all know, and that's, that's yes. exactly that's right. Excellent. How about you, Tosh? Is there one thing, one uh, takeaway? Yeah, I think when I was in the program, one of the things that has really hit me the most and that I really keep going back to time and time again is when we were learning about coaching and asking questions to kind of, um, I think, get further. And I think that's been really helpful as PLC leader and as a mentor this year, and also just even with my students and asking those questions and helping people like come to answers a lot of times on their own. Yeah, excellent. No, I, I think the coaching training is, you know, by far, it's, it's, you know, the most fun for me. I've probably done it 20 times and I learn every time I do it. And Questions are so powerful. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Sabrina, how about you? Um, from my this assessment, I do remember I was a precisionist. So mm -hmm. very analytical, very detail oriented. And I really could hear and see myself on Zoom. And so I knew I had to change that because I could go overanalyze too many details on Zoom and lose my kids and just make them go to sleep. So I had to adjust that and um, find some creative ways to get through our stories and 
make sure they're learning, but without me just preaching these details to them. Um, and also like with the questioning, um, I do remember that was probably the biggest takeaway from the workshops was just to, to watch you interact with another person and how you did not interrupt them. Um, you, you probably didn't even nod your head or, or shake your head. It was just you listening, actively listening to them and then giving them feedback when they were done. That's something that I had to discipline myself to do, not interrupt my students, not say, oh, good, great, you're on the right track. Um, but just let them tell me what it is they need for me to hear without oh, but, interrupting. <laughs> well, thank you for noticing. I, I appreciate that. And, and you know, 80% of our, of our, um, of our humans on this earth that have taken DISC are, are that process oriented. So when everybody had to flip their schools upside down, all, that, all I could think about was DISC. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope that the leaders give clear instructions and quality answers in a process because otherwise these teachers are gonna be, they're gonna be lost. And that was a, a message I tried to you know, get out. Like you don't need to know everybody's DISC you know, profile, but you need to know this they need clarity to be able uh, to do that. And I think all three of you have done an incredible job of talking about the clarity that you had and, and, the, and the community that you had built. I, I think that made a huge difference um, in the successes of your schools and will uh, continue to be. Well, so my goal of the Teacher Leader Academy was to create a platform for our amazing teacher leaders to be heard and to share. So you all just let me live out my uh, purpose. So thank you for volunteering an hour of your time. And, and as I share, we're gonna put this out in our podcast that you know, should get a, a few hundred to maybe a thousand that download. So I'll make sure everybody share it out you know, once it gets back out there. And, and if we can give uh, Sabrina, uh, Tosh and Isabel, you know, you know, just our thanks in the chat and I'll, you can unmute yourself and uh, thank them in a second. Uh, but this is, you know, this has been, I think, the, the most fun experience for me has been able to, to give other uh, teachers uh, just an opportunity to share the great work that they are doing, um, not just for, you know, their own uh, students, but for their uh, community as a whole. So if you want to learn more about our Teacher Leader Academy, we're going to be launching one in November. So uh, we would love to have you on board and I'll send you out some, in some um, information about that. You can go to our website at lbleaders.com. And so I'm going to unmute everybody. And let's give uh, Tosh, uh, Sabrina, and um, Isabel um, our thanks. So go ahead and unmute yourself. You should be able to do that. Go for it. And, and, um, and let's, and let's uh, do that. Thank you so much, Sabrina, Tosh. Everybody, Thank you. everybody be safe. Thanks out there. And thanks all you teachers for what you do. Your job is so hard. It's the number two hardest job on the planet, the uh, stay at home as mom. So really you're doing maybe both of them right now. A lot of you are the stay at home mom and a teacher. So thanks everybody, have a great day. And you three ladies, thank you so much for your, for your unbelievable knowledge today and wisdom, bye-bye.